For through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the gospel. If you know what that means, you get the essence of the good news. I've got to say it again. For through the law, I died to the law that I might what? Live to God. We don't live to the law anymore. Our good works are meant to please God, not to placate God. I came up with that. Isn't that catchy? And what that means is, I'm pleasing my father like I'm pleasing my dad. If he were here right now, I'd want to what? I'd want to go take him out to eat after the, after the service. I'd want to go hold the door open for my wife. Those, I, don't, I don't do that to earn my wife's love. I don't do good things for my daddy to think that I'm going to change his love for me. I do it to what? I do it to please the people I love. We do it the same way with the gospel. We do our works, we do good works to please our Heavenly Father, not to placate our Heavenly Father. And why? We know that Jesus Christ has absorbed the wrath of God meant for us, standing in our place as our substitute. He is the Lamb, therefore we can be counted free. We have died in Him, we have been raised in Him, and now we are completely free from the law. It's not that we don't, it's not that we don't observe the law in some sense, but we've died to it as a means of salvation. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a point of clarity. It's not that the law doesn't have a place. God's law will always stand. What, when Paul in Romans, he says, do we just get rid of the law? He says, by no means. We what? We uphold the law. We have not died to the law in, in, in every sense. We've died to the law as a way to salvation. For through the law, I died to the law. What's that mean? That means the law's point is for you to die. The reason the law is given is so that we can not, not try to use it as a ladder to get up to God. The law was given to us so that we can see that it's too far up to, to get to God and we need a Savior. That's the gospel. I'm going to put forth an idea this morning. Here's my idea. There is a difference between wrestling with God and resting in God, and God actually calls us to do both. And I'm going to explain that idea this morning. One of the godliest prayers we could ever pray is the one that rests in God. What's the prayer that rests in God? Let thy will be done. That's how you rest in God. Whatever happens to me, Lord, let it be your will. That's a prayer that aren't as God. But oftentimes our restful prayers, they can be, can be, potentially, not always. Sometimes our restful prayers can be a little apathetic. It, it can, it, it can it reveal that we're a little spiritually detached. We'll go, there's not a lot of effort in our prayers sometimes. We'll go, Lord, let your will be done. What's, what's to eat? Whew. Um. God, protect my family. Thanks for everything. Let thy will be done. Sometimes there's not a lot of effort in our prayers. If you remember, not even Christ's prayer to the Father, let thy will be done, not even Christ's 
prayed, just let thy will be done, what does he say? My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. The, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is a wrestling prayer. The Garden of Gethsemane is Jesus wrestling with his father. It's agony. God wants us to wrestle with him and to rest in him. Those things sound like they're mutually, they're, 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 they're mutually exclusive, but they're not. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Here you go. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Give us this day our, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us of our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we come to God with our hearts poured out to Him, there's some specificity to our prayers, aren't, aren't there? There's some laboring in our prayers. We're going to read a strange passage this morning. God comes and wrestles Jacob. And here's the weird thing. God initiates the wrestling match. It wasn't like Jacob had a bad day and he's like... God, come on. It was God who swung himself in the ring. Here's the gospel this morning, if I had to say it this way. Christ, our brother and Savior, absorbed the wrath of the Father on our behalf so that we could wrestle with God, not as enemies, but as servants pleading for blessings from our King. If you have a Bible with you or you want to follow along, you could turn to Genesis chapter 32. Verses 22 through 32. And when you found it, if you can stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabok. Sorry, I don't know what that is. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, show us what it means to wrestle with you. It's, it's, it's such a seemingly irreverent concept. How could we as unworthy sinners wrestle the Almighty? Father, that's exactly what you call us to do in humility, in love, in faith. Father, like the nation of Israel, let us, your church, be a people defined by striving, 
tenaciously, wrestling tenaciously with you in prayer, seeking your blessings. Let us be a people like Jacob who wrestle in prayer. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. What a passage. Kind of bizarre, isn't it? I know a lot of people who've read Genesis and they either hadn't really thought about that passage, they don't really know what it means, or somehow conveniently skipped over it and went, oh wait, what's that weird God's wrestling somebody? If you read it once and move on, you can really miss the beauty of this passage. This passage has actually meant a lot to me uh, in my personal walk because I need constant coaching on how to come to God. Constantly. And uh, if I could give a summary of what I want to say and what I believe this passage is communicating to us, it's this. It is often God's sovereign plan that we wrestle with Him in prayer, struggling and laboring for lengthy amounts of time in order to receive His blessings, and this is His good and gracious will for our lives. It often leaves us limping, but we also come to see the glory of God in a new way. A little context here. Jacob is running from his brother Esau. He's had some, some family problems that we're actually going to visit here uh, in the coming weeks. He's, that Le- Leah has had her, chi- her children, uh, her sons. Rachel has had a son, Joseph. Um, there's, there's, it's kind of a, a soap opera in Jacob's house. Um, but there's 400 men coming after Jacob, and this isn't a welcome party. This is a war party coming to annihilate Jacob, and he knows it. And so what he does is, um, of course, we know, going back just for a second, we know why Esau is angry with Jacob. Jacob stole his blessing. He practically stole his birthright. Jacob has divided up his wives, his servants, his flocks, and his entire crew to essentially avoid annihilation. He spends the night alone, similar to the way he did at Bethel, except this time God doesn't come to him in a dream. God comes WWF style and just starts wrestling him. <laughs> no, never mind, moving on. <laughs> Jacob wrestles God all night long. Jacob wrestles God all night long. Let me say it another way God wrestles Jacob all night long. And here's the remarkable part. Like we said, God initiates the match. Raise your hand right now if you're going through a season of prayer where it seems like you have been coming relentlessly to God in prayer, making a request, making your request known to God, coming again and again and again, asking for His wisdom and asking Him for to intervene. And God hadn't answered it yet. Raise your hand. Here's a few things to keep in mind. Feels like wrestling, doesn't it? God initiates the wrestling. It's God who desires you to wrestle with Him in prayer. God desires that. Don't give up. Don't feel as if your lack of faith is the reason you feel that way. Sometimes it takes faith to feel that way. And it's the will of our Lord for us to come to Him continually... Here's the second thing. It takes faith to wrestle with God. 
Sometimes it doesn't take any time at all just to say, hey, let thy will be done, amen, where's the food? Sometimes we can really have lazy prayers where we don't plead earnestly with the Lord and what the Lord wants from us is to get in the ring and tell us what He wants, what we want. Just because, here's number three, just because your prayer isn't answered yet or answered in the way you would like it to be doesn't necessarily mean that God is not working in that moment upon your soul and in your life. Number four, I think I put it up here. Oftentimes we're able to rest in God only after we've wrestled with God in prayer. That one hits me personally. I want rest. God, give me rest. And God's doing what? Come on. Sometimes, oftentimes, we're able to rest in God only after we've wrestled with God. Now, sometimes the reason we don't have peace over something is because we've got to come harder. In fact, even the Apostle Paul teaches that many times peace comes after prayer. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. You all know it. Many of us know it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see that and at the beginning of chapter 7, or verse 7? Here's another way of putting it. Sometimes peace that transcends understanding doesn't come without prayer that tussles with God. I think I've noticed this in the last three or four months. I think I've told you all that Kelly and I have begun praying together more at nighttime. And what I notice is Kelly's prayers are a lot more specific than mine. If you pray with other people, hopefully if you're married, you pray with one another, people pray differently. My prayers are no less heartfelt, but I think I'm like, if I had to compare it, I am like 10,000 foot view. Kelly's like down on the ground praying. That's how I feel when I pray with my wife. She's praying for things. And she's praying for ways that she would like to see God work. And when I, when I get done with praying for my wife, I feel like I ain't prayed for nothing because I've just been praying so top down that I haven't got on the ground and prayed for people with names and things. I feel like I'm in the air and Kelly's the ground troop kind of just praying for different people. And after I'm done praying with my wife, I come to realize that wrestling with God in prayer means praying for specific needs, people with specific names, people with specific concerns. We are specific people with a very specific God going through specific things. That's what it means to wrestle with God. God wants us fully engaged in our prayers, fully invested in our prayers. That's why the wrestling went on all night long with Jacob. Why? He didn't let him go. Sometimes prayer can last an entire season on something or one thing or upon a matter in our lives. I don't think God is honored as much as He can be by only praying for our family and thanking God for, quote-unquote, everything you've done and then moving on and not really ever praying about the things that were on our mind and heart that day. We can skip that, can't we? Every care, every burden we have should translate from our brain down to our heart, out of our mouth. Here's a couple things that wrestling with God is not. 
you're going to say. Number one, going through a hard time in your life is not necessarily wrestling with God. We all go through things. We all go through seasons. doesn't mean you're wrestling with God. You can be wrestling with an issue. doesn't mean you're wrestling with God. That's the sad part. We can be wrestling with ourselves all day long. We can be torturing things ourselves in our minds. We can be going over something. I hate one thing I know I can't do. I cannot read heavy books past 9 p.m. And, and, this, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll tie it here. Because if I get my mind rolling on something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up in the middle of the night thinking about whatever I was reading. That's why I can't spend time heavily like in a... Um, um, I, can't, I can't watch a movie that's enthralling past 10 o'clock or I will have dreams about that movie. And, and, and our minds work the same things when we're at work. When we've been churning on something all day at work, we come home and we're already thinking about what? The thing we've been thinking about all day. We can't stop our hearts and our minds, yet here's what sin does. We can torture ourselves all day wrestling with something and then God's like, where are you at? Number two, wrestling with God isn't necessarily waiting on God. Here's how I would define wrestling with God. Relentlessly, arduously coming to God on a matter in faith until God has either answered our prayer or He's given us His blessing. That's wrestling with God. Now let's see, let's see that in the Scripture. Let's read verses 25 through 30. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. You know what else is bizarre about this passage? The God who initiates the wrestling match also does what? He lets Jacob win. It's like my dad, when he wrestled me and my brother, somehow, seemingly, miraculously, we always won. I think that's a little bit what it's like to wrestle God and win. Number two, Jacob insists on a blessing from God. That's kind of bold, isn't it? You wrestle God and you're like, hey, you ain't getting, hold on, where's my blessing at? It's God. You think God would just go, okay, oh, you want to get serious now. All right, oh, here we go. Jacob now has a new name, Israel, striving with God, which will be his new name, will be the name of his people. If, here's a question to kind of think about. If Jacob is demanding, and it really seems like he's demanding a blessing from God, isn't that kind of the prosperity gospel a little bit? Demanding blessings? And it just kind of seems, name it, claim it there. I'm going to, hold on, I want, a, I want a blessing from you, God. How is that not the prosperity gospel? I think the difference here is that Jacob is not reaching out, making a demand for something he doesn't need. Jacob is grabbing this man saying, I need this blessing now. If you don't, I'm dead. 
I think what he's demanding is not just physical blessings from from God. He's saying, God, I need you to fulfill your promises. I need you to be the God of my salvation. I need to see your glory. I need you. This is not prosperity gospel. This is a man who's in dire straits who needs God's help now. God's truest blessing is himself, and it always comes at a cost to sinners. God makes much of himself when his people make less of themselves. Jacob doesn't leave the fight unscathed. He's walking with a limp now. He's going to remember for the rest of his life. You could, Jacob becomes an older man, and I imagine for the rest of his life he's walking with like a little ancient Near Eastern cane, and people are like, what happened? He's like, sit down, I'll tell you. It's the same way with God's people today. God wants us to live with the reminder that we wrestled with Him. That's why God doesn't always just give us what we want like that. God's not a slot machine. He wants prayer to hurt a little bit. He wants prayer to cost us a little something. God wants prayer to remind us of our helplessness. Why? So that when God does answer our prayers or when God does give us a blessing that we didn't necessarily know that we needed, when we come to Him time after time after time, our spiritual bruises and our long-suffering can reveal our need for Him even more. A prayer spoken in faith can increase your faith. By prayer, we come to pray more. When when we come and pray in faith, it actually kind of advances us into faith. The act of prayer is a very devotional thing. Raise your hand if you can point back to a time in your life when you went to God in prayer relentlessly, day after day, hour after hour. And God answered the prayer. Raise your hand. If you don't remember that, guess what? You gave up. If you don't remember God doing something, you stepped out of the ring. But if you do remember, and you remember it, don't you? What happened to your heart during that time? It hurt, it softened, it grew. And your faith went up. You cannot wrestle with the living God and walk away unaffected. And that's the point. After Jacob is done, two things happen. He's walking with a limb, but he's seen the face of God. He has been delivered. And this is what God wants to define His people. Israel means striving or contending or wrestling with God. The people of God, the church today, we're marked by wrestling. We're not fatalists. Sometimes we can throw up some fatalist prayers. Hey God, let your will be done. God's going to take care of it. It's whatever. Actually, sometimes we think God's just going to... That's why Taylor spent so much time on the idea of election and predestination. Some people think that just means that's all wrapped up. God doesn't want me to do anything. I'm just going to live my life. No! We're not fatalists. It, you know what? A fatalistic theology kills prayer. Fatalists don't know how to get in the ring and to wrestle with God and to plead 
earnestly for something day after day and getting on their knees and saying, God, I need you to intervene. I need you to show up. I need you to help me. If you have, if you have anything to ask from God, if you have never asked God fervently, tenaciously, for an entire season over one thing, then you have a very low view of God because the Scriptures say that if you knew who God was, if you know who God is today, you'd be asking Him for His greatest gifts. People who don't pray fervently don't know the living God. Wrestling with God is an act of faith. When Jacob gets done wrestling with God and demands a blessing, it's not irreverence, it's faith. I think sometimes I can fall into a trap. I don't know if you all deal with this, but I can sometimes pray over something for a while. I can pray something sometimes two or three times. And after I pray the fourth time, I'll go, God gets it. He kind of knows my heart at this point. He's going to do what he wants. I'm going to pray for something else. I can, I can pray over something two or three times and finally just kind of go, and God's not doing anything. And you know what God's saying? You gave up. You're a wimp. And I think that that's a, that's a lie to think that we can pray something so long and then, and then after a while we didn't see anything and, and God said, eh, no, you're fine. No, God says He wants us to pray continually. Paul says unceasingly. Like, for instance, when I pray for my kids, don't just pray for your kids. Pray for their souls. Pray for their character. Pray for their friends. Pray for their time spent on the TV. That's a battle right now in, in Todd home. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their holiness. Pray that my son and my daughter can obey their parents. Wrestling, wrestling over and over and over, praying over your kids. And God says, keep coming, keep coming. And so I can pray for that they respect authority. I can, I can pray that they get along with other kids at school. I can pray for their love for Jesus. I can pray for their faith in the gospel. I can pray that God preserve their innocence. I can pray for my wife as she's parenting our children. I can pray for my wife when I come home on a bad day. I can pray for my wife's godliness and her patience. And God says, keep coming. I can pray for Kelly's sanctification. I can pray for our marriage. I can pray for her job. I can pray for my job. I can pray for her joy. I can pray for her friends and her sense of community and our purpose and our ministry. I can pray for this church. And God's going, come on. All those things instead of pray for my kids and my wife. What's, what's for dinner? There's so much to pray about. We can keep wrestling. And all that stuff's already on my mind anyway. I get home every day, and any guy here knows when you get home and talk to your wife or whatever, you finally see your kids, it's like, oh, I hope they had a good day. Oh, my, I hope my kids are going to grow up to be good people. I hope my kids are going to grow up to love Jesus. Those things we think about or should think about anyway, we can wrestle with ourselves all day long. The question is, will you wrestle with it with God? I, so here, here's, here's my battle. I'm going to go to work on Tuesday, and I'm going to think. Of, I'm going to worry about my schedule. I'm going to worry about my meetings. I'm going to. I'm going to make. I'm going to think a lot about how I respond to certain people in certain situations. I'm going to respond about how I think planning should go. I'm going to address certain spiritual issues in myself and in others. I'm going to talk with my boss about how the. You know, just there's tons of things. Do any of those things ever factor into the way I pray with a living God, 
Or are those just things at work that I just kind of put here and then I really pray about the eternal spiritual things? Everything that you go through at work this week is a spiritual matter that needs to come into the ring. At, at, at the age of 33, I'll be 34 next month, I have about, I have countless limps that I'm still walking with today over seasons of prayer where I prayed earnestly and I walked away battered, sliced, and I'm still going. Why? Because like Jacob, I have seen the face of the living God I have been delivered. And because of that, what am I doing? I'm still wrestling. Have you ever seen those old wrestlers have like mangled, like broken fingers and they're never really pretty people? But you, you certainly wouldn't want to, you know, ever mess with them. That's how the Christian life is. We are the most joyful people ever. And for some reason, we've wrestled with God time after time after time. And people are going, why are you still talking to God? And you're going, look, because I have seen the living God and He has delivered us. I've been hurt. But for a lot of us, when you pray to God, hey God, can you protect my family? Can you look after my wife? Uh, thank you for everything you've done. Give me a job. Make sure we can feed our family. Amen. Um, I'm going to go to sleep now. God's going, you're a wimp. Come into the ring. Pray about what's really on your mind. Don't give up. Some of us talk a big game with Jesus and we put him on the top. We put, we put crosses on top of our, of our churches and we put things in front of our house and we even put little bumper stickers and say we love Jesus. But are we wrestling with God? And Jesus says, are you a fighter? Are you going to come in? Come on. That's, that's an invitation to everyone this morning. We all have burdens to bear. The question is, will we take those burdens into the ring, wrestle with God in prayer, because we know that God and God alone can satisfy the longing in our heart. That God and God alone is where every good and perfect gift is found. This morning, I want to invite everyone, I want to remind everyone this morning, any and every blessing that's worth your time and your life is found in one person, Jesus. You don't outgrow the cross. You don't outgrow the gospel. I believed in Jesus when I was a kid, and guess what? I'm still hobbling, and I'm still getting back in the ring. But I don't wrestle with God now because God the Father is not my judge. He is Daddy. And He's for me now. And just like when I was little and Dad used to, you know, my dad was a wrestling coach. And Dad would always get me in little locks. I would keep fighting. I remember one day I got big enough and popped Dad in the, in the, in the face. And Dad was like... And then that, he got a little bit harder that day. <laughs> Come on. And Dad would have new moves, and I'd learn them. And, you know, and, Dad, and then Grant would get us both at the same time. And guess what? After I got done wrestling with Dad, I loved my dad even more. Because even in the day I'd pop him, even the day when he was a little rough with me, I came out, and Mama said, what? It's time to eat. And we all walked to the table. You don't wrestle with God as an enemy in Christ. 
you wrestle with your Father knowing that He has the blessings you need and He alone can satisfy the longings of your soul. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we in Christ, your church, we are Israel. We are the strivers. And Father, in Jesus, we have prevailed. Father, stir in us a spirit of prayer. Stir in our hearts a longing, an earnestness to come to you with every deep desire of our hearts. Father, let there not be a concern or a burden that we don't bring before your feet. Because, Father, just as Jacob insisted boldly upon the blessings that you have, Father, in Christ we can boldly approach the throne of grace, knowing that in Christ every blessing we could ever want is ours. Father, let us believe in the gospel and in faith. Let us be a people who wrestle with you in prayer coming back to you day after day, hour after hour, praying unceasingly, knowing that in Christ the battle is won. And in spiritual wrestling, Father, there is only sanctification and growth, and there is only your truest and richest blessings to be had for those who wish to wrestle with you, the living God. And all these things in your Son's name.